Thanks, Karen. What do you want to talk about today? I guess I'll tell you. <laughs> you probably guessed that we're, we are continuing with a series that we've titled Habits of a Blessed Christian. This will be part 10 of that series. And we've been speaking about godly habits. You know, every habit that we establish in our life really governs our beliefs. It becomes a part of us. Now, that could be good habits. It could be bad habits. Because our beliefs dictates who we are, what we do. Uh, go with me over to Proverbs 18, our foundational scripture, one of the two, in verse 14. And then also find Leviticus 20 in verse 26. Proverbs 18 says this, the strong spirit of a man. Everyone say strong spirit. spirit. Sustains him in bodily pain or trouble. But a weak and broken spirit, who can raise up or bear? You know, as we read this foundational scripture time after time after time, it should be something, number one, that's that's getting pretty much established in you now. We need to realize just how much in need we are of a strong spirit man. And what we've been trying to do through establishing these habits in our life is to develop uh, uh, the ability to build up our faith, to strengthen our spirit man, to establish our hearts in the things of God. We've been speaking about a quote over and over again. We've modified a little bit during this time. But... uh, but this, but this quote is, is, so, is so valuable, so scriptural. And it's you sow thoughts and you reap words. And we sow words and we reap actions. Then we sow actions and we reap habits, godly habits. We sow these habits and we reap godly character. And then as we sow godly character, we reap the destiny, the calling for our lives, the things that God would have us to do what He wants you to say to people, the things He wants you to do. Because you have a great impact on people, whether you know it or not. There's people that look up to you, whether you know it or not. You have an impact on someone or many people. And no matter how small it may seem to you that you're doing, and the things that you're doing, they matter. That's why He's called you Specifically, to be a member of the body. We all have a part to play. We all have a role to play. We all have a shot. One shot. At getting this life right where we can make a difference. And see, when you stand before God in that day, He's not going to be bringing up some of your failures and problems and issues that you've had as a Christian. What is going to be dealing with you in that judgment is, did you do what I asked you to do? Did you walk in the calling that I gave you? Did you get, build yourself up spiritually, a strong spirit, where you were able to bear fruit 
developed a fruit in your life where you had an impact on other people. Leviticus 20.26 says this, in the New Living Testament says, You must be holy because I am holy. I have set you apart from all other people to be my very own. Holiness comes into our lives when God's ways become our ways. Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. Now we've been um, dealing with what I identified as 12 habits that we're going to be dealing with in this uh, series. We've already covered five of them and we started the sixth one last week. Just a real quick review. The first one we said was they diligently spend time with the Father daily. We've got to be willing to give up everything, guys, for the sake of the kingdom. Nothing, nothing, nothing can take the priority of our relationship with Him. He's got to be first in our life. He's got to be the one we schedule our day around. The second habit we talked about was they consistently give thanks and praise and worship Him regardless of their circumstances. That praise and worship allows us to have a personal, intimate relationship with Him, with the living God. It's a manifestation of His presence because nothing satisfies us like His presence. You've experienced it before. You know what it's like. And there's nothing like it. And, that's, and through our adoration, through our exalting of Him as the King of kings and Lord of lords, that intimacy is developed. Habit three, we said that they feed their spirit by reading and listening to God's Word every day. Just like physical nutrition, that we need to take food into our bodies and nourish these physical bodies. The Word of God is our spiritual nutriment, nutrition. It is, it is you know, in, in Matthew 4, 4 it says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Habit four, number four, is they strengthen and encourage themselves daily by meditating on God's Word. We talked about the fact that meditation is basically renewing the mind that transforms our core beliefs. Because, see, we have a lot of junk still in there. And as we understand and find out what God's Word says, we take His Word and through the process of meditation and through prayer and study, we're able to transform our minds into what His Word says we are. The whole purpose of meditation, we said, was to obey what was written and demanded of God. And therefore, when we do that, we become what He says we are, prosperous and successful. Habit five, we said, was the words they speak are governed by their faith in God's Word. Our words must be governed by what God said. Those words have a great impact on our life and what God can do in our lives. And the key for us is, when you speak, are they in agreement with what God's Word says? Over in Luke 6, we talked about the Scripture, for out of the abundance, the mouth will speak. So, whatever we put into that heart is what's going to come out of our mouths. And then last week we started a habit that we identified as they demonstrate their faith by acting upon God's Word. They demonstrate their faith by acting upon God's Word. Um, acting upon God's Word, or being a doer of the Word, is, I guess, the primary evidence that we're living in accordance with the Word. 
go with me to James chapter 1, and we, we reviewed this last week, and I'm just going to go through it quickly, but James 1, we'll start with verse 22. It says this, it says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind or what manner of man he is. Now, every once in a while at home, I'd be in deep study and thought in front of the TV set. (laughs) And Kathy, out of the blue... My wife would shout out an instruction requesting my presence to do something or, or remind me of something that I had not yet done that I needed to do as part of my daily requirements. Well, if I pretend sometimes I don't hear it, then what I find is I I end up forgetting it again. Because I heard what she said, but I chose to either ignore it or I had to get maybe another five minutes of law and order in before I did it. But then by that time, I've forgotten the whole thing. Or even watched the commercial, maybe. But anyway... The same thing is with the Word of God. Unless we become almost an immediate, instant doer of that Word, if we don't start the actual practice of being active in the Word and what the Word has to say for us, then guess what? We forget it. We forget. See, because the Word identifies who we are. It shows you what God says you are. And by not doing it, we hold back the blessings that we could be walking in. Because a lot of times it's inconvenient. Sometimes it takes work. Sometimes it causes us to have to do some things which are something we just don't want to do. And as a result of that, we forsake our own mercy. Like Jonah says, he who beholds lying vanities forsake their own mercy. We take a look at life circumstances and it tells us one thing. The Word tells us this another. But the reality becomes overwhelming and overcoming to where we sort of set the Word aside. We behold the lying vanities because the Word tells us that those circumstances in our life are temporal. They're subject to change. Guess what changes them? It's this Word we're choosing to ignore. Refusing to obey. Forgetting about. Because when we choose to forget, when we choose not to react or do, then we've made a choice, a decision to reject the word of the living God. We're rejecting Jesus because Jesus is the word. And so, therefore, we forsake our own mercy. (laughs) 
when we prevent all the things that he wants for us, the Zoe life that he's built for us by shying away from those things that we need to be doing. Let's go on. It says that he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, what is the perfect law of liberty? It's the word. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and continues in it, and continues in it, and continues in it, and continues in it. What's it say? He will be blessed in his doing. He's not forgetful here, but a doer of the work. He will be blessed in what he does. Go with me over to James chapter 2. We'll start with verse 14. It says, What does it profit, my brother, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warm to filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus, also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by, faith by my works. You believe there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Do you know the demons believe? They believe. They know who God is. We say, well, well I believe. Well, believe is living in accordance with. Believe is doing. So our statements of believing without the corresponding action... I mean, demons do that. They can't even get born again. At least we, you know, we're able to take the action it takes to make Jesus our Lord and Savior. But do you know, O foolish man, that, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? I think we said last week that because Abraham made that action of actually going ahead, going ahead and sacrificing his son, because of that obedience to what God had told him to do, it allowed God to come into the earth and sacrifice his son. And that's why we're here today. Do you see the faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect and the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God. Abraham believed God. Abraham believed God. Abraham lived in accordance with and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So when we walk by faith our actions will demonstrate our faith. When God's ways become our ways it always demonstrates our faith. Now that's basically where we left off last week and what I want to do, I want to go into, I'm going to read a lot of scriptures now. We're going to go into several scriptures. And uh, we're going to be looking at examples of people applying their faith and of people not applying their faith. Go with me over to Exodus chapter 23. Exodus 23. Everyone with me today? Awful quiet out there. And we'll start with verse 20. 
See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Pay attention. Everyone say, pay attention. To Him and listen to what He says. Say, listen to what He says. Do not rebel against Him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in Him. And you will listen carefully. Everyone say, listen carefully. To what He says. And do all that I say. Do all that I say. I will be an enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you. My angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And I, God, will wipe them out. I, God, will wipe them out. Do not bow before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. Okay. Here's something we can do. Demonstrate our faith. And God said it. He said, listen carefully. He says this. He says, you must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces. He goes on to say, worship the Lord your God and His blessing will be on your food and water. And listen to this. This is healing service, right? Listen to this. I will, God... I will take away sickness from among you. I will take away sickness from among you and none will miscarry to be barren in your land. I will give you a full life. How many in here want a full lifespan? Some of you may be carrying something in your bodies right now which has spoken to you and said, you might not have a full lifespan. Because some of the things that attack our body in the natural would tell you that you're not going to make it. And that's the enemy coming in to steal, to kill, and destroy. Because of this sickness, because of this illness that he's attacked your body with. God said, listen real carefully. You do what I tell you to do. And I'm going to bless your water and your bread. And I will take sickness away from you. You will not be barren. Now, I'll give you a full lifespan. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation I encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you and drive out the Hivites, Canaanites, Hittites out of your way. But I will not drive them out in a single year. Whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's listen again. I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate. Do you know God was the first environmentalist? <laughs> See, until I, I really read this and digest, I used to be the first environmentalist. I need to pay more attention to some of these, you know, to Al Gore maybe. I don't know. Hey, listen, it goes on and says, and the wild animals too numerous for you. My God, God was a card-carrying guy of the PETA. He was a PETA member. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until until you 
have increased enough to take possession of the land. Well, God is a God of timing. God is a God of order. Okay? And so, He's going to give them time in order to get established, in order for them to take possession of it. But in the meantime, He's going to take care of the property. He's going to make sure there's a lot of wild animals out there that's going to destroy them. He's taking care of them. And why is He doing all this? If you obey me, if you do these things I tell you to do, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. I'll do all these things. And there's just a few things you need to do, though. Okay, When you go into the land, take all these gods and, and the idols that they have set up, tear them down, you smash them, you grind them to bits, you get rid of them. Don't bow before them. Don't practice what they practice. Be pure, holy. Be set apart for me. Be holy as I am holy. Now this, you know, we're talking Old Testament. We're talking about things that occur back then. And so, you know, we wouldn't even, we would even think of worshiping an idol. Unless it was golf. Or law and order. Unless it was something in your life that was so dominant that it would prevent you from making God your priority that day. Have you ever done that? And we wonder why sometimes things just don't work out the way they should. We think we're doing all the right thing. We say we believe. We give mental assent to the things of God. And then when we go to practice those things, we find our actions don't necessarily line up with the words we speak. So, there's some things that the people of Israel had to do. Where did I leave off? I will establish your borders from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines. And from the desert to the river, I will hand over to you the people who live in the land and you will drive them out. Okay, there's something else you got to do. You will drive them out before you. Do not make a covenant with them or with their gods. Do not let them live in your land or they will cause you to sin against me because the, because the worship of their gods will certainly be a snare to you. It's a trap to you. So, the responsibility of the, the uh, nation of Israel was to drive them out. God already given the victory. But they, by their actions, they needed to take the actions to finally drive them out. Go with me to Exodus 24, next chapter, verse 1. It says this, Then he, Moses, he, I'm sorry, then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel. You are to worship at a distance, but Moses alone is to approach the Lord. The others must not come near, and the people may not come up with him. When Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and the laws, they responded with one voice, 
everything the Lord has said we will do. Now, keep that in mind. Now, remember that when they first went to that mountain, the nation of Israel, God called them all to come before the mountain because he was going to speak to the whole nation. And as they drew near, the people got scared. They were fearful of what was coming, the darkness and the, and the thunders and the lightnings and the, and the voice of God coming forth put fear in them. And, then, and they said, whoa, no way. Back off, Moses. You're going to talk to God. And whatever he tells you, you tell us. And whatever you tell us, we'll do it. Okay? So, well, that's what Moses did. Moses called them together. And he told Moses what to tell the people. But look at the response. When Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice, everything the Lord has said, we will do. Numbers 13. Go to Numbers 13. Verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, You send men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give. Everyone say, I give. give. Who gave? God gave, didn't he? God gave the land of Canaan to the nation of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them. Now, we all know the story where the twelve tribes of Israel selected one of the rulers, one of their leaders, to send out to scout the land. Okay, so let's go over... Let's jump on down to verse 26. Verse 26 says this. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word. Everyone say brought back word to them and all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land were strong and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Now, the descendants of Anak were huge men, uh, described as giants. What they saw were the circumstances that existed in the land of Canaan. And then, no one thought to compare those circumstances that they saw against what God said. Because see, God already told them. He already said in multiple times and through Moses, I've given you the land. It's yours. I will do this. I will do that. But there's a few things you've got to do in between time. Here's what you've got to do. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Canaanites, dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Now, why did Caleb say that? Not because of what they saw in the land, because he was one of the scouts. He saw how big they were. He saw the portal. He saw the same things these other guys saw. One of the things that was in Caleb's heart that was not in the hearts of, of, of uh, uh, ten of the other eleven spies was he knew what God said. He believed God. So he was living in accordance 
with what God said. He was taking the necessary action to pursue what God told him to do. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel an evil report. I want to say evil report. Of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land of which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. In other words, when I was there, I felt like I was a grasshopper. And you know, when they looked at us, they looked at us and we, we were grasshoppers. The Bible calls an evil report lifting up what we see much uh, way ahead and above the Word of God. In other words, we gave it much more priority. We gave it much more credibility, the things that we saw, the circumstances of this life, than what the Word of God said about our life and who we are. According to the natural circumstances, were they really able to take the land? The land? Were they able to? No. No. Now, how many things and problems and issues in your life that you have to deal with Seemed overwhelming, and there's just no way that you could do it in your own ability. Just about all of them, isn't there? And when we go to God and depend upon Him, guess what? We're taking that word and we're saying, I don't care what I see. I don't care the circumstances that confront my life. This is what God said, because He said that many are the tribulations, the trials, the issues, the problems of this life. But my God said that He would see us through them all. All of them. Not a few. Not every once in a while. He will see us through them all. The caveat to that, just like everything else with God, there's a man side and there's a God side. God's already done what He's going to do. But the expectation is that we will be in obedience. He says if we are willing and obedient that we would eat the good of the land. So our job is to be obedient to what the Word says, to live in accordance with the Word of God, which is being a believer, and then His Word manifests Himself. It's automatic. It's unstoppable. But because of our limitations, many times, or even our own life, we choose to see... To, to, to accept and embrace the things that we see in our life rather than what the Word of God says. And unless our spirits are strong, unless they're established in the things of God, unless they have been built up in our faith, it's very easy to slip back and say, woe is me, this is the way it is, a bank account's drained and I'm I have all these things I gotta pay for. All these things I want for our lives to be prosperous and successful, but it just won't come our way. I, I'm fighting this sickness, this cough, this, this, what the doctor says is a chronic problem. I'm taking this medication for years and I can't get off of it. Because you see, I feel pain, I feel discomfort. I just can't seem to shake it. 
And my words keep coming against me because I'm speaking it out. I'm doing things that reinforce what the enemy is doing in my life. I don't act like the word is true. I don't speak the word. I speak, I speak about my problem. And as we've said over the last couple of weeks, you speak to your problem. You don't speak about your problem. You speak to the mountain that's coming into your life. God's given us a blank check. His name is written on the bottom of every one of them. Fill in the blanks. This is mine. And go deposit it. Because it belongs to us. Speak. Think. Do. Establish your belief system. Get your, build, your, your spirit strong. Build it up. Make it whole. That man size would be a, a doer of the word. It's done everything else. I said, just listen to what I say. So spend some time with me. Get yourself built up. Speak it, do it. And then the things that we see in these sort of these subject change, I'm going to change them for you. Because why? Because you've renewed your mind. You're, and when you renew your mind, you transform yourself. Plan a thought. Reap words. Sow your words. Reap your actions. Sow your actions. Reap these godly principles and habits into your life. And as you sow those habits, you start to build the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, temperance, meekness, faith. The fruits of the Spirit in your life. You become more like God. You're transformed from image, from His, from glory to glory, into His image. And you become more like Christ. Guess what? The things of God flow. They, they pass from the, the eternal. The things we don't see are eternal. But guess what? When we transform ourselves, we see them manifest themselves into the here and now. And the things that we want changed. by being a doer of the Word. Where was I? Have I started reading the numbers yet? 14? Okay, Numbers 14. Verse 1. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night, and all the children of Israel complained. Everyone say complained. Against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? That our wives and children should over become victims. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among the, those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good land. 
If the Lord delights in us, then He will bring us into the land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people reject me? How long will they not believe me? How long will they not live in accordance with what I've told them? With all the signs that I have performed among them. God says that rejecting His Word is the same as rejecting Him and rebelling against Him. That's what we do every time when we hear what the Word says. We come to understand what that Word is and we choose to not do it. Jump down to verse 26 of Numbers 14. It says this, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel made against me. Say to them as I live, says the Lord, Just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in the wilderness. All of you who have numbered, according to your entire number, from twenty years old and above, except for Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun, who shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. But your little ones whom you said would be victims I will bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised, the land which you have scorned, the land which you have hated, the land which you have uh, treated with contempt. But as for you, your carcasses will fall in the wilderness. So get this, everyone 20 years old and above, you're not going to land. You're going to fall, your carcass is going to fall here in the desert. Now, I've heard different numbers of how big the nation of Israel was. I've heard a million and a half, or three million. I've heard, you know, all over the place. And I guess I don't really know how many people the nation of Israel was. I guess you could probably figure out when they did some of their numbering that you could probably calculate something. But let's say there was three million of them. If you would calculate that out over a 40-year period, that means that every day over that 40-year period, there would be a little over 200 people dying. So, so, I don't know why it took 40 years. I mean, it takes a long time to kill all 3 million people. <laughs> all right. A real mathematician here. Go with me to Joshua chapter 14. Joshua chapter 14. We'll start with verse 6. Now we get into some scripture talking about where we chose to believe God. Chose to do some, be obedient in the things that he said. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzanite, said to him, You know the word. Now remember, Joshua is in charge this time now. 
He says, you know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. Now, this is when they, the, the, the two of them believed God and they were ready to go in and, and take over, but they weren't able to convince the nation of Israel. So they, they believed God from the get-go. And they were the only ones that were older than 20 years old that survived in the wilderness. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of God, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my, my, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly follow the Lord. Say, wholly follow the Lord. So Moses swore on that day saying, surely, this is Moses speaking to Cain, surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord your God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke the word to Moses where Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet, I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was, therefore, just as my strength was, hmm, let me get there. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, Give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. As the Lord said. And Joshua blessed them and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzanite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. He wholly followed it. See, we receive an inheritance from God. Caleb called it an inheritance. In the gospel, not in the gospel, in the, in the epistles, it's referred to as an inheritance. He said he's made us partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. As we obey God, we automatically receive that inheritance. Because the guy, the man Jesus, the God Jesus who shed his blood for us through the blood covenant, being 100% man, 100% God, his blood seal that covenant for both of us. Allowed us to receive an inheritance which not only He died in order for us to receive, but He rose again in order to be the administrator of that new covenant. To ensure that the things that He had promised in that covenant would be ours. When we do our part, every promise of God, there's a man's side. There's a responsibility for us to do in order to allow that inheritance to flow into our life. And all it is is learning more about Him and doing what He said to do each and every time. 
One of my favorite scriptures is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And be careful for nothing in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made unto God in His peace, which come. We'll go. I want peace in my life. Anybody want peace in your life? Well, the God side is, I'm going to give you peace. Okay? Through your requests, through your prayers, okay? Ask for it, I'm going to give it to you. Well, the man side of that is the first part of the scripture that says, be careful for nothing. No fears, no worries, anxieties. Cast all your fears on me, all your cares upon me, because I care for you. So as a, our responsibility as a Christian is to build up our spirit, <laughs> strengthen our faith, to the point where when the enemy comes in and creates the fear because of the circumstances we see out here, see, we say, ah, I choose not to fear. Lord, I give them all to you. Because <laughs> you already paid for them. You already paid the total price for them on Calvary. And so I give them all to you. And if the enemy tries to get them to you, give them all to you. And walk in the freedom that you already possess. Grab hold of it. It's yours. It belongs to you. You're a child of God. It's in Him we live. It's in Him we move. It's in Him we have our being. Who's Him? Jesus. Who's Jesus? The Word. What's the Word? The Word is the truth. It's that truth. He says, you'll know the truth. And that truth will set you free. <laughs> you see why these habits are so important? Take them. Do them. Make it a part of you. Was it the will of God for all the children of Israel to possess the land? The answer is yes. What made the difference between them possessing and not possessing it? Acting upon the word. Believing what that word says and fulfilling what he told them to do. Oh. Okay. We're going to have to break there. I'm getting ready to start a new section and and we don't want to start something that we can't finish today. So, bow your heads with me, please. Father God, in Jesus' name, I love you. We worship you. We honor you. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for all that you're doing within us. Oh, Father, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of you. Open the eyes of our understanding, Father, that we may know what is the hope of our calling. That we may know, Father, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in us as saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of your power to us as a believer according to the working of your mighty power which you worked in Christ when you raised him from the dead and seated him at your Right hand in the heavenlies, Father, far above all principalities, powers, might, dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is coming. You have placed all things under our feet, Father. You made Jesus to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. So, Father, as we leave today, we just give you glory and honor. We give you thanks and praise. We worship you for who you are 
take this word, Father, that has come forth today. Make it be a part of me. Help us, help us, Father, just to be doers of that word. And through being a doer, Father, we're able to demonstrate that faith so that that faith may become a part of our belief system, Father. That your ways may become our ways and that we be established in the things, all the beautiful promises that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen.